Did you know that where markets are concerned, it's not easy to detect the difference between objective and subjective reality or between reality and fantasy? The business's view of the consumer has serious bottom line implications. At Plus94 Research, we help businesses cut through the uncertainty by gathering and processing real consumer intelligence through advanced scientific research methodologies. Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele, a show that matches business mentees with exceptional mentors to provide the skills and knowledge to navigate the entrepreneurial journey. Beyond Mentorship is brought to you with the compliments of Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good evening to you, the beloved listeners of 101.9 High FM, as well as 91.9. Uh, FM and welcome to Map Beyond Mentorship. My name is Nimrod Opambele and thanks for tuning in on this glorious Monday. I hope you had a fantastic weekend and your week ahead is looking positive despite whatever challenges that you might come across. If you need a dosage of encouragement and hope on business matters, you are at the right place at the right time. For I'm, I'll be joined by yet another trailblazer in the human capital development and avid mentor. Anyway, before we get to the gist of our conversation, let us dispense with the fundamentals. Firstly, allow me to express my gratitude to uh, um, High FM Management as well as 91.9 Management for collaborating on this exciting initiative wherein we share content aimed at strengthening entrepreneurship and the role of mentors in creating and supporting other entrepreneurs to achieve their business objectives while creating value. Uh, as we proceed, a word of gratitude to the Afternoon Overdrive uh, team uh, under the stewardship of Michael McKenna. Thank you, and, and thank you very much, Michael. And last but not least, last but not least, uh, allow me to thank uh, thank Craig Guthrie and who's on the control as well as Harry Seleke, who is the producer of the show. Um, they are obviously incredible in making sure that our, our, our show uh, is as seamless as possible. As we proceed, uh, if you miss the last two episode, not to despair, simply go to our website, which is uh, www.yfm, and look for Beyond Mentorship and download any podcast and show your views with us. Uh, I had an amazing discussion with Moana Mokoni, who is a CEO at Abbott Technologies. Um, she gave us insights on the challenges they experienced in the IT space and, uh, and how she navigated that particular environment. And as I, you know, based on her eclectic approach, I mean, I found it quite useful uh, that 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 she is able to dispense with a number of practical uh, insights on how to manage financial issues, product issues, marketing and networking, and so on and so forth. So you know what to do if you had missed that particular um, show. And and I suppose this is something that is useful because you can also adopt a similar approach by identifying areas of weakness in your business and approaches and approach individuals who are not who are knowledgeable uh, in in identifying areas uh, uh, that your business could be strengthened obviously the rule of the thumb based on our series of conversation has been you must know your product you must know your value proposition you must know your competition your, your, your competitors and and issues around market size and so on and so forth these are uh, obviously wealth of insight that we've that we've been getting from our esteemed uh, guest 
And of course, as we proceed, I encourage you to visit um, our website and obviously make a contribution via our SMS language is 34519. The telegram is 061 895 And of course, our line is 87 0551818 and last but not least your views and thoughts are most welcome via my twitter handle which is dr Mede. Uh as we proceed today you know tonight we're putting yet a spotlight on yet another successful successful businesswoman and and who's a multi award winning uh, uh entrepreneur and her name is dion Kerr who is a founder and the ceo at siaka consulting we're gonna obviously uh, the gist you know, with the gist of our conversation is two prong. Firstly, the first part is 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 how she navigated, um, you know, the creation of the, the empire that she's built over the past twenty five years, and secondly, the, it would be around how she support up and coming uh, uh, entrepreneurs and what are some of the challenges that she has encountered in that particular space. As we proceed, before we we welcome. Uh, my guest tonight, let's take a break and we'll come back in just a second. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. is brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Thank you for joining us. We have just literally started this wonderful show. I am joined by Dion Kerr, who is the founder and a CEO at Siaka Consulting Firm. And I, the gist of our conversation is really around um, how she managed to establish a brand that is um, a Siaka Consulting Firm, as well as the kind of role that she plays in supporting up-and-coming mentors. Without any waste of time, let's thank uh, Dion for gracing Beyond Mentorship with the present. Uh, good evening and welcome to the show, Dion. Thank you so much, Nimrod. Thank you for having me. The pleasure is ours indeed. I had a privilege of uh, perusing your very impressive resume and you know it prompted two questions, at least in my mind. The first question is, who is Dion and what defines it? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> um, so um, I am a mom of two beautiful children um, and I am a very proudly um, South African um, activist around the opportunity that South Africa gives each and every one of us to be deeply involved and a part of the solution um, and involved in the trajectory of our country moving forward. Um, so yes, I'm uh, over and above that. I'm probably too outspoken. I, I um, swear like a truck driver, unfortunately, <laughs> um, and um, and uh, and and deeply passionate. So so that that's who I am in a nutshell. No, thank you very much for that insight, and certainly with um, uh, uh, with. Uh, every uh, minute on this particular show for you have amassed a wealth of experience over time which is obviously of benefit uh, as we proceed i mean uh, as a woman and successful uh, business person you one could argue that you have been able to break the proverbial glass ceiling and 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 how has it been like now that you have uh, have had so many national accolades behind your name you know, it's such an interesting question that because um, I have the privilege of working um, with a team that is predominantly women. Um, we do a lot of work um, in the field of women empowerment. Um, I am very involved in the issues around 
um, youth development and the disparities that exist between opportunities for our girl children um, versus men. But in saying that, um, and I and I have um, the opportunity to judge the Gender Diversity Awards on an annual basis um, through Business Engage. But in saying all of that, I'm a firm advocate that one of the challenges that women have in business is that they either want to be identified as a woman as opposed to a business person um, and therefore they kind of expect that apologetically they deserve um, a louder voice or perhaps um, um, a greater size microphone um, at the boardroom table. And the alternative response to women in business is often that they will try and behave like men in order to kind of assimilate and fit in and, and do the right thing. And I think that my stance there has always been that as a mom, I have to provide for my children. Um, as a business person, I'm deeply passionate about the work that we do. And so when I present myself or my credentials around a boardroom table, it's actually got very little to do with me and my gender and more to do with our work ethic and the work that we do and the um, fact that we stay very committed to making sure that we provide the very best customer service. And so I'm, I'm kind of an antithesis when it comes to the woman and gender because I'm very pro the woman agenda. But I feel that sometimes we overstep the mark in prioritizing the female or woman dialogue um, because in reality, our role as women as natural nurturers is to make sure that nobody gets left behind. So every man in our society was brought up by a mom, God willing, um, or a grandmother. Um, or a society of women that that bring every child along. And I think that our overriding role over and above proving our point that women are just as good, if not better in business, is actually to say that we have a different approach. We have an approach of making sure that nobody gets left behind. And that doesn't necessarily need to be shouted, it can be shown. Absolutely. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, insight about um, how you how women are projected in business. The key word for me there is the work ethic because that should be the defining uh, assessment or the, the, the defining uh, area which, which anybody needs to be look at. They have to look at what are you bring on a table, how important is what you bring on a table, and does it make a difference other than um, whether you are male or female, which which has become immaterial in a greater scheme of things. Um, but as I, I actually like that. But as we proceed, um, you know, you're operating a very interesting, um, highly contested um, terrain um, in the consulting space. There are a lot of up-and-coming entrepreneurs who want to emulate people such as yourself. Uh, I'm sure you know that the, every other time there's a a consulting firm that is that that is emerging and and not right. every firm that emerges will become successful you have been at it right. for 25 years what would you say what is the environment like and and how do you manage to keep up ahead of the curve so you know i think that and it, and it feels somewhat of a cliche but i think that um, there are a few um, tricks that we have to take on as the stepping stones to being in a position where you are established as a consulting firm. Um, when you're a consultant, 
Um, we can't compete as small consulting firms with the big global firms like McKinsey and Bain and PwC. And they're so big and so powerful and have so much money behind them. So typically what happens is that consultants um, compete on price. And the problem with that is that your journey that makes you a good consultant is exactly the same journey as an employee who happens to have one of those big brands on their business card. It requires continual learning. And the important thing is that your clients will always expect as a consultant that you don't behave like an employee. An employee is somebody, no disrespect to employees, but is somebody that you will tell what to do. And it's, it's expected that leadership will provide guidance and a structure for employees to meet their full potential. But the responsibility or accountability with employee growth and learning and development and value add to an organization lies with leadership. As a consultant, your customer expects you to give them direction and guidance. And so it's absolutely vital that every single day you're challenging your mind, your brain, your dialogue, your thought processes to make sure that today I have something different to offer you than what I had to offer you tomorrow, yesterday rather. So if you're not consistently reinventing yourself and making sure that you invest in your own knowledge and learning and viewpoint and your own understanding of the market and the external factors around you, then you limit the value that you add to your customers. And I, and I do think that that's why many people decide to go into consulting because they feel it's easy in inverted commas. Whereas in fact, after your full day of meetings, your real work starts. You have to work on yourself and your learning and your models and your viewpoints. And you have to take responsibility for challenging yourself to move beyond who you were yesterday. And so it's not only a, a learned profession, but it's a very emotional profession because you're constantly having to build your building blocks and then unbuild your building blocks so that um, it looks different um, in, in the future. It looks different and it's relevant and you can very quickly pivot or shift your viewpoint around what the external factors are looking like. So there's extensive um, behind the scenes work that goes into being a consultant. Which makes it very, very complex, I would imagine, um, for uh, you'll be judged you as good as your previous assignment, essentially. Exactly. If, so if you're not exactly. brilliant, you know, and then forget about any other assignment because you've been judged on your on your very last a a assignment. Um, on that note, right. let, yeah, let, let's take a break. We'll come back um, as we d probe more on the kind of environment that you are at and what it means for up-and-coming entrepreneurs who wants to venture a business in in consulting environment this is beyond mentorship with dr nimrod mbele is brought to you with the compliments of plus 94 research the science of decision making welcome back to beyond mentorship we are picking up the pace as we have a conversation with uh, Dion Ko Kerr, a big opponent, who is the uh, the the um, the founder and CEO at Siaka Consulting. Before we went to the break, and she was giving us insights of the world of consulting and some of the uh, assumptions that people have that. Uh, uh, consulting environment it's easy coming to think of it um, it's easy to have your suitcase but the kind of service that you provide and how you need to 
continuously learn and unlearn it's a very difficult i mean she made a very interesting point about the the need to to constantly having to invest in the new knowledge that the, the need to to obviously having to uh you know provide guidance to your 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 client and and i suppose you don't just only providing guidance to your client but you provide guidance on a basis of data on a basis of information that is credible um, because that's how decisions are made decisions are made on a basis of facts and not opinions so these are some of the issues that are important if you want to pursue a business in 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 in, in consulting these are some of the highlights that uh, she's been able to share with us um, as we proceed um, Dion um, one of the Take us through your, you know, because you are obviously Asiaka. You are you have a number of projects under your wing, and and could right. you just maybe share with with the with the listener? I mean, I've noted the um, uh, project or initiative such as Zebo, uh, initiative such as Umsebenzi um, um, Patrol, and so on and so forth. Yes. So just share with the listener because these are practical ways in which you obviously provide support to. Uh, to, to meaning, you know, to the youth that are obviously lingering on the periphery of, of any economic development. And over and above that, you you obviously pivot in that by providing technical support to those that want to pursue their own business. Take us through that, please. So, so our business fundamentally was built almost by accident. So I used to work um, in the banking industry. Um, I left in 1998 um, to have a child. My, I discovered I had a um, health issue. And so my daughter was born on the, on the 5th of June, 1998. And I went into labor because we started Siaka on the 1st of June and I was moving furniture around <laughs> um, as you do. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you're the um, receptionist and the uh, office and facilities team and the um, CEO and everything else that needs to happen. And um, what happened was, is I got a phone call from a gentleman who was running Merrill Lynch at the time called Sid Reby. And he said that they had heard of a new transformation charter that had been tabled post our democracy in 1994 and our democratic elections. They were a little bit concerned that what this would do was constrain foreign direct investment in South Africa and or freeze investments from global firms that were operating. And could I find out a little bit more? And so my journey in BE started. It wasn't called BE then. Um, it has morphed over the last 25 years quite considerably. Um, and I've had the advantage of sitting in the regulatory body and advising many multinational and local businesses around getting the model for BE right. You know, BE is almost like a swear word in South Africa. Um, you mention it in some circles and people say it hasn't done enough. And you mention it in other circles and it's the trigger why they're leaving South Africa because it's done too much. In the midst of that actually sits a very forward thinking, strategically powerful policy that 
um, has challenges in its execution. It's verbalized incorrectly. So we have a consulting arm that advises companies on how to do BEE in a way that makes commercial sense. And I've always said if BEE means that once a year you bring in those auditors that everybody hates and you write out a check, um, then it's the wrong strategy. It should be an ethos. It should be a way of operating that says we consider how we operate and who is impacted by the way in which we operate and who benefits in the long term. And this should ultimately include all of your stakeholders, including shareholders. If it doesn't, it's more than likely the wrong strategy. So we have a consulting arm that really encourages businesses to invest in South Africa. Um, it We focus on BEE, we focus on regulation and compliance and good governance, and increasingly on the issues of environmental social governance um, and sustainability and the nexus at which all of those factors converge. On the other side of our business, we the division is called Development Services. This is where our passion lies and it's the work we do in township development, in SME development, in project-based work that allows companies to see that our investment in SMEs, our investment in localization, our investment in South Africa um, should realize direct commercial and social returns for our country. And there is a way in which to do that um, that really does take some of the pressure off business to be the panacea for all the evils of our current economic environment. So if we are um, developing strategies soundly in our consulting arm and executing them well in our development arm, um, our firm passion is that um, empowerment is not dependence. So once we start to create SMMEs that feel that to be an SMME, somebody gives me a laptop, somebody gives me a contract, somebody gives me an incubator, and somebody writes a check, um, that's charitable. And by its very notion, um, development should be about growth, it should be about increasing access to opportunity, it should be about equalizing and normalizing success in our society for businesses that operate in South Africa and grow our economy. Well, that's quite um, a mouthful indeed. Um, you mentioned two important things, um, which obviously encapsulated in the Transformation Charter. Um, obviously, having sat at the regulatory board, you obviously had insights on how uh, and how to commercialize BEE. Um, the other issue uh, on the same point is because you've mentioned that you deal a lot with with with, with companies or advise companies on how to look at BEE as a as a business imperative. I mean, business imperative, uh, not as a liability. If 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 my interpretation right. is correct. And what has been the sense of majority of businesses on whether or not BE is a liability or a strategic business imperative, which is, which is obviously meant to, to um, equalize the playing field, as it were, and address uh, issues that government uh, in, in, at the macro level looked at the inequalities that we're currently experiencing? So there's, there's two answers to that question, Nimrod. And I think if I, um, if I answer that, very frankly, often we will put in a proposal for work to work with a business to look at their BE strategy and they'll come back and say, 
but your process is too long or it's too expensive or it's too detailed or why do you need to understand our strategy in order to advise on BEE? Why can't you just help us achieve a scorecard? And a lot of our competitors do exactly that. So they will go in and they will beautifully and very um, um, professionally advise on the scorecard. But as we know in business and, and you're a corporate governance specialist yourself, um, the, the metric of measuring how you're performing is not the outcome. Um, you know, the outcome is um, what is it that we're doing and is it making a difference to our stakeholders and are we operating in a way that shows responsibility and authenticity and both of those two metrics should determine the success or failure of a business. So if we take a look at the shared value approach in the United States, um, which has been adopted, suggests that you can create commercial value out of prioritizing environmental and social issues. We see the huge diversity dialogue happening all over the world and the prioritization of making sure that governments have campaigns of um, localization in order to buy local, encourage local manufacture, etc. If we take a look at BEE, it says all of those things. Mm -hmm. The only difference between us and those countries is that we were saying it 25 years ago. And so, um, and we gave it a terrible name, let's be frank. So the minute you call it black economic empowerment, it suggests somebody has to has to miss out. So your question as to is the audience ready to listen? Mostly not, <laughs> um, if, if I'm honest. Um, it takes us a while. We follow approach of saying in the first year, let's just focus on compliance and that will create trust. And once the trust is built, we can start to move to best practice, which is how are you positioned amongst your competitors um, in terms of market share and growth and market positioning and brand association. And ultimately where we're heading towards is world class. And, and that really does require for us to have a willing executive team who are prepared to work with us and listen and understand that perhaps their perception of transformation is based on um, the incorrect assumptions as opposed to the real facts around the power that that takes place in saying that we've had a couple of really amazing opportunities um, to change perceptions um, one of which is with pepsico as a global business when we were called in um, we were called in around issues of compliance um, by the, uh, the group's legal team. And by the time we left, they had adopted um, the BE model. We had rewritten it into the PepsiCo Global Strategy of Performance with Purpose so that it became a model in emerging markets in Africa that they could successfully adopt and track the impact on the business and the business's growth on the African continent. And, and that's really the pleasure we get out of doing the work we do. On the other side, in our development services side, we often get small SMMEs who come to us and say, and I say, what's your unique selling point? And they say, well, I'm, I'm black owned. And I say, but that's not unique. Mm -hmm. You and, and, and at least 45 million other people are, are black owned if you start a small business tomorrow. And so if we start to shift the thinking from saying to do business with small businesses is risky, um, it's costly, um, it's cumbersome in order to manage, and we rather 
rather start to say that we should build our strategies around quality and compliance and growth and the growth trajectories, then we start to see real impact and real change and a shift in mindset. Well, that's quite a very interesting insight indeed. Um, I mean, I particularly like the the idea of, I mean, obviously the kind of uh, um, the perception that was created by BE, almost like a swear word, as you've currently pointed out. And it does make sense as to why the uptake has been so slow, because of the trust ish, the trust deficit, because in yeah. your encounter, there's this there's assumption uh, or misconception that um, somebody is going to lose out, and therefore there's no incentive for any business to look at BE as a as a strategic lever that could unearth right. um, a whole lot of opportunities, not only for the beneficiary, but also for the business uh, itself. So obviously, the, you know, you, you have been in this position where you are gradually, first and foremost, you had to build trust on the basis of trust. Well, well I suppose the building block would have been uh, less, less first and foremost comply because that's that's a tick box approach. And it's understandable. Right. It's understandable because of the complexity uh, of the the legislation and how it has been consumed and overlaid with what has happened in the country. It's very difficult to to really find that common ground without without really going going through a lot of um, hurdles, a lot of misconception and so on and so forth, which I think is quite useful. But but the other point that you raise has to do with opportunities that you have created or the opportunities that you leverage on in changing the perception. And obviously BE has been there for some time and it is it has it has evolved over some over a period of time. So one can only imagine that uh, in the latter years the perception has changed because there's also people are beginning to see value. Businesses beginning to see value. Uh, in in as far as the bees is, is is concerned, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's a good analogy that um, that in, in fact my husband spoke to me about, and he said, "Be we should look at it like um, a really high traffic." city. So if you go into a high traffic city during peak hour traffic, you've got three or four lanes of traffic, it's gridlocked, it moves really slowly. But there's always that one lane, which is your taxi lane or your multi passenger lane that moves faster than others. So the way that business works is that if you choose not to adopt BE and understand it and leverage it and see how it applies in your business, you're still going to get to your final destination, but you're going to get there in one of the gridlock lanes. BE is your multi-purpose vehicle that allows you to get there quicker in terms of business success. I think when people start to shift their minds to look for the opportunities that live behind it, um, when it's adopted correctly and well and authentically, um, you know, you realize value and then it becomes an ethos. We don't have to wait for auditors to tell us how we're performing. We know that our people are happy, they're well developed, mm -hmm. our suppliers are diverse, our supply chain means we buy local wherever we can, and we're part of South Africa's trajectory for positive social stability. And all of those things are, are good for business. They're good to mitigate risk and they're good for growth. Absolutely. The other point that you raised is the development side, um, which, which is obviously where you are, you know, uh, mentoring or bringing in as many small businesses as possible, technically trying to mainstream this kind of business. One issue that you raised, which is pretty much a challenge across the system, if you like, is that there the, the isn't a clarity on what is the value proposition. I mean, black, it's not right. good enough. Um, what is your product? And what does your product right. um, seeks to achieve? 
is your product scalable? Um, is there demand for your product? What what sort of social ills does your product trying to, 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 to remedy? So I'm sure you've gone through those kind of issues. Why is it that we haven't really leapfrogged from those kinds of limitations? Does it, is it an education? Is it entrepreneurship education? Or what is it in your assessment? So, you know, I do think that our national dialogue is, is uh, by and large at fault. So it, the dialogue that we um, purport, particularly by our politicians, is that if you're not an entrepreneur, then you're a failure. Everybody should be an entrepreneur. And if you're not Bernard Cantor and starting Investec, then you're not a real entrepreneur. Well, the plumber who puts two children through school, owns a vehicle, pays a bond, buys goods and services, is possibly more valuable, I'm no disrespect to Mr. Cantor, but is possibly more valuable in, in large numbers to society. Um, those individuals that continue to pay taxes, that sit above the threshold of being above that poverty line. And unfortunately, the, the failure rates of SMMEs is low in South Africa. And, and a lot of that comes with the fact that everybody feels that they have to be an entrepreneur. It's almost not a willing choice. It's not somebody who sat at home and said, I want to change the world and I believe I can do that on my own. It's not somebody who says, I'm going to be a doctor, run my own practice, and I'm going to provide services for the people in my community. Um, it's not somebody who says, I want to take on Microsoft and let's see what I can do with this um, vision. Um, it's somebody who says, well, I can't find employment. And so entrepreneurship is the next best thing. And it's sexy. And the dialogue is that everybody can be an entrepreneur. The reality is that globally, I think the world has around 4% of our population are entrepreneurs. In South Africa, it's around 14%. But the majority of those people um, are thriving township micropreneurs or subsistence entrepreneurs. So they work below the tax ecosystem. They work below the economic system. So the government wants desperately to try and make sure those individuals are registered and formalized. And unfortunately, there is no incentive for them to do so. Um, they would have to pay taxes. They would have to address the, the miles and miles of bureaucracy that go with running your own business. And so I think from an SME development standpoint, we have a very unique situation in South Africa in that our dialogue around entrepreneurship is possibly misguided. We make it sound like it's easy, like it's winning the lottery, um, that it's a big prize at the end of every rainbow, as opposed to recognizing that if you use the analogy of saying that winning as an entrepreneur is like a skyscraper, right? Mm -hmm. If I, if I, if there was no way to get inside the skyscraper, which is inside the ecosystem of businesses already there, there's no point trying to bring those businesses down. Arguing about big business okay. is is dysfunctional. Absolutely. Big business is where we all want to be. Big business is the people that create jobs. They Ab are the ones that by and large create opportunities. On that but note, it doesn't. Yeah. On that note, yeah. let's let's you know. I see the controller is insisting that we pay our bills. Just hold into the thoughts, and we'll be back in just a second. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Is brought to you with the compliments of Plus Ninety Four Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back to Beyond Mentorship. My name is Nimrod. Uh, 
I'm having interesting conversations with Dion Kerr, who is the founder and the CEO at Siaka Consulting. Before we went to the break, um, Dion was really giving us uh, some of the misconceptions, particularly driven from our national dialogue on entrepreneurship. I mean, uh, I mean, to your point, you, um, uh, Dion, it's very important that we elevate small uh, business. However, they need to graduate at some point. The vast majority of uh, businesses in the township are, are operating below the radar, which means the, the, the entire potential uh, for them to, to add value in the fiscal will remain limited because uh, one issue that you've raised is the, 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 the cumbersomeness of bureaucracy or the red tape and the kinds of process they need to follow, which means part of, part of the uh, dialogue, it has to uh, and, you know, make business ready or, 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 or environment where it is easier and quicker to, to register business and there are far fewer forms so that there has to be an incentive for them to migrate to be part on the to be part of the mainstreaming and and i mean i, I couldn't agree with you more uh, that there's no incentive i mean when you look at the tax industry as an example there's no incentive for them to migrate you know and to be to be to be tax paying because these are some of the issues Absolutely. that you know that these are some of the issues but let's go back to the you know uh, the, the the high failure rate of of entrepreneurs um one of the issue could have been or well, is based on research, is lack of uh, incubation or lack of structured support, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. How important is incubation um, in promoting or fast-tracking uh, businesses that, 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 have, that display potential to be successful and under which circumstances one can cushion um, businesses or, or take them as part of incubatee, if you like? So I think that... Um the, the reality is that there's one way to to grow your business and to be sustainable as a business. If you if you take the, the skyscraper analogy, um, if you want to get to the top of that skyscraper, you put a ladder against that skyscraper and you start to climb. If you're very ambitious, you might try and find very unique ways to get up that ladder. But the reality is, is is once the balance of the ladder starts to topple, your ladder will fall over. You'll fall off the ladder and it will fall over. And there's only so many times you can redo the bottom rungs before people start to get disheartened and give up. There's one way to get to the top of that ladder and that's one rung at a time. So an incubator's role or a, a mentor's role in SME development is not to do things for you. And this is the mistake we so often make. It's not to make it um, quick and easy and falsify your experience because every step on that ladder, every rung you climb gives you the good and the bad and the difficult and the terrifying and the traumatic experiences that give you the strength to climb to the top. So if you try and fast track that journey, you will skip a step and you will fall and the ladder will fall over and you will fail. And so when we incubate SMMEs, our model around SMME incubation is to say, we call it the Siaka Active Coaching Model. So we work with them to do a needs analysis. What is your vision? So when you say to me, Dion, I do fruit and vegetables, but I also do geezers. And on the side, I do a little bit of solar. And every now and again, I take on a contract and training. Um, you don't have a business. 
-hmm. So you're an opportunistic individual who will find a way to create an earnings, but you're not developing a business. You're not building a brand. You're not creating something that has value or is sustainable beyond tomorrow's opportunity, which may or may not come and it may or may not succeed. So to build a business, you've got to have a clear understanding of what do I want to achieve? And then you've got to be prepared to put in the effort to make it happen. So, so often in incubators, we do these one or two or three day training sessions for SMMEs. Well, I've been self-employed for 26 years and um, I don't think I've ever taken two or three days off work to go and attend a conference. Mm -hmm. It's a luxury that I can't afford. Um, there are too many things that may go wrong, do go wrong, that need me and need my daily attention. And so for me to spend that amount of time out of the office costs me money. It costs me more than I earn in my developmental journey. So. Giving SMMEs the opportunity to learn on their own time um, in bite-sized chunks and to learn the theory and then to practically guide them on how to implement that in their business is so vital if you want to successfully incubate SMMEs. And if the SMME isn't prepared to do that learning at nine o'clock at night at the end of a long day or on a weekend, then they're not serious about their own growth and their development. And that's attitude. You can never train attitude. You can only train skills. So our job in as mentoring small businesses is to say, Let's help you to crystallize your thinking. Let's make sure that you've got all the tools you need to be successful. But at the end of the day, I can't do it for you mm -hmm. because you're the one when I go that have to run this business successfully and sustainably and grow it. So, yes, I will be a safety net. Yes, I will provide you with guidance. Yes, I will bring you pull you back in um, when you seem to go off course, but there's one way to climb that ladder and it's one rung at a time. One rung at a time. I think the most important point, which um, and a lot of uh, esteemed guests such as yourself have emphasized on over and over again is the issue, issue of attitude. I mean, you've, you've correctly right. pointed out, I mean, you can train a person on skills and competencies, but attitude is something that has to be inborn. You have to you know, you have to bring it in. It's entirely up to you as, a, as an individual, um, whether you are hungry uh, or not. If you are hungry, you will not watch, look at the clock um, well, and you will not complain and moan. You will go an extra mile. And the most important thing right. uh, and, and from your end is the level of, of, of preparedness. I'm sure you can't be, you, people come to you as if they expect you to do stuff for them. And I'm, I'm sure your response is no, I'm not here to do for you, but I'm happy to think, think through so that they make sense to you. Correct. And, you know, I, I, I say this to my children as well. I, I have a, a foster daughter. She lives in Sweden and she teaches English there. And recently um, she sent me a message and it was her 30th birthday and she said, I just want to thank you, Auntie D, because although I cried many nights when you told me this, that every one of them was taught, if you want to get somewhere, you have to work hard. There's no replacement for hard work. And if the going gets tough, you work harder. And when the road ahead of you looks impossible, you work the hardest you've ever worked because 90% of the people around you will give up. 
90% of the people around you don't have the tenacity, the attitude, the passion to just keep going. And so by default, your, your brand, your market share, your confidence and your capability can only grow as long as you don't give up. You have to keep going, you have to work hard and you have to invest in yourself. Absolutely. We're going to have to take yet another break as we gravitate towards the end of the show. This is Beyond Mentorship with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. It's brought to you with the compliments of Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome back to Beyond Mentorship. Nimrod Mbele here. I'm joined by the one and only Dion Kerr, who is the founder and a CEO at Siaka Consulting Firm. Before we took that break, Sienna, I'm. Um, 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 uh, my guest here was giving us a sense, Dion, I beg your pardon, was giving us a sense on what can be taught and what needs to be self-taught. The most important point for me is the ability to to do, to take one step at a time. And she makes a very interesting distinction between an opportunistic uh, business person and an entrepreneur. You know, if you are picking, picking stuff almost randomly, you definitely... Does not, that does not constitute a business. You need to be clear on what is your, what is what is it that you want to sell. What is that you are good at. In fact, you must always try to look for stuff that you're good at. And if you're not good at, how do you hone your skin in that particular environment? In that way, you you learn to master the art. And and the only way of mastering an art in a, in any business is you need to spend time. You need to read as much as possible, have conversation with people who have been uh, at the particular uh, line of, of, of work, uh, network as, as, as much as possible. And out of that, you are going to earn, and, and, and you're going to earn respect from people and there are people who are going to encourage you, there are people who are going to discourage you, but the reality is that for you to make it, you need to you need to be focused and you can't be jumping from here to that. So these are some of the nuggets that I'm picking up from, from Dion. Uh, Dion, as we as we you know wrap up the, the our interesting conversation, what would you say um, your would have been your highlights? Because you have mentored scores of businesses. What would you say your yeah. highlights of those that have been successful would have been? Sure. Um, you know, Nimrod, the, the reality is that to do the work that we do is so incredibly humbling. Um, and and I think that we don't we haven't always got it right. Personally, I have got it wrong more often than I've got it right. Um, but when an SME comes um, and says, you've changed our lives, you've, you've put us in a position where we can provide for our families, um, we have a sense of dignity around who we are and what we do, our business is successful beyond words, um, there, is no greater, there is no greater, more humbling, um, more meaningful purpose that one can possibly have than to be a part of something positive in that way. Um, and it's not that we do it for recognition or gratitude. It's, it's, it's the fact that if you make sure that you have the right value system and you approach it with a good heart, you, you may not get it right. But I think that the, the examples of businesses all over South Africa that we've had the privilege to work with, to grow, 
that have created jobs that are now real, really, really good, great, strong, sustainable businesses employing great people. Um, it, 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 there is no better feeling in the world. If you, if you, if you are lacking life purpose in your life right now, really consider what you can do to help small businesses grow because it's not just the business owner. It's the multiplier effect. It's the ecosystem um, of the people in the household of that business owner. It's their suppliers that are supported through their growth. It is the ecosystem um, that is much bigger than any one of us as individuals that, that one is able to positively influence. Wow, that's quite inspirational uh, uh, engagement indeed. And obviously we've got some of the uh, listeners from the, from the chat giving us um, obviously, a, a sense of the, the sense, the sense of pride in the kind of discussion here. We have Ila Saland who says um, this is such an inspiring series. Thank you, Hi FM and Dr. Nimrod um, Certainly, uh, a value add from the listener who is listening to the show. Uh, and, and 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 again, going back to your point, you know, it's it's always fulfilling when you realize the bigger picture. Uh, of the you know how you've made a difference not only to that particular individual but their suppliers their families and so on and so forth because there's always bigger um you know purpose out there and and it's, it's quite incredible uh, that people like yourself has continued to make a difference and we know that it is not easy dion it's not easy to right. and yeah. and and uh, Nimrod, if i can add to that i think from the day that you start your business until probably the day you die we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome it doesn't matter how well you do we all sit there some days and just think I, 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 do I really, do I know how to deal with this? And somehow we do, right? Um, I, I think the biggest problem with entrepreneurs is they think I can't explain to somebody my challenges, my weakness, my fears, my concerns, my inabilities, my development areas, because they're going to feel like I'm a failure. You're not a failure, you're human. And, uh, you know, every as every human knows, not one of us is perfect. And therefore, there is no right of any human being to judge another until we're perfect. And I've never met a perfect person. So I would encourage SMMEs, just put your hand up and say you need help. You'll be absolutely amazed at how much people are prepared to work with you and help you they've been down that road themselves there's no judgment and absolutely but and again if you put up your hand and it comes with responsibilities you have to put up your hand and be keen to work harder and it's not the responsibility of a of, of a mentor of a mentor you know to do the hard work if i would imagine if i come to you having prepared having the rights of questions that i'm put to you on the basis of the research that i've done it makes your lot work a lot easier and and out of that we can yeah. develop a very positive relationship which can transcend beyond just you advising me on a particular aspect of the business right Exactly right. Yeah, you know what, every single day that any one of us wakes up, and I know that we're a country that lives with very particular issues, and it's hard in South Africa at the moment, it's hard um, with all of the negative news that swirls around us every single day, and all of the global issues that touch on us every day. But 
rest assured that it only takes one person to help one other person and we don't have a 60 million person issue in south africa absolutely um, we, we need to keep our eyes open for the small gestures we can do every day to work hard be honest hold your value system close to you and just do whatever you can to help at least one other every day it's powerful absolutely unfortunately we're going to have to leave it here we have run out of time thank you very much dion for bracing us with your insight and intellect we certainly benefited a lot from your journey. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yep, there we go. That's Dion Kerr, who is the founder and a CEO at Siaka Consultant Firm, and giving us um, interesting insights and practical tips on, on how to really make a difference um, uh, in our own individual spaces. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. We're going to leave it here. Have yourself a wonderful evening and be, be kind as much as possible. Shalom.